Welcome to On The Go, a podcast on the future of mobility powered by Traffy. Tuning into On The Go, you will meet some of the most brilliant minds in mobility and we will take you way behind the scenes of the industry. My name is Sigrid Dahlbeck-Krievski. I'm the Global Head of Marketing and Communications at Traffy and I will be your host. Let's go! In 1981, aged just 15, he construed and built one of the first skateboard halfpipes in Germany together with a few friends. While studying for a degree in civil engineering, he developed his first patent. In the 80s, he founded a printing business and in the 90s, he ran several nightclubs. Can you guess who's our next guest? Not yet? Okay, I'll give you a few more clues. The business idea that led to his current company was sparked in 2011 when our guest in question was working as a paragliding teacher. The thought was to upscale drone technology so that it could actually carry a human. I'm of course talking about Alex Sossel, co-founder and chief innovation advisor at Volocopter, the world's first autonomous air taxi. Alex, thank you so much for coming over to Berlin and for joining us in the studio. Knowing that you're the co-founder of Europe's perhaps most well-known air taxi company, I'm still pretty sure you did not come here by volocopter nor your skateboard. So how did you get here today? So I get here today from my hotel with a car to go. And how was your experience? As usual. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we we use it often, so it's a good solution. Yeah, it's a nice way to get around the city, especially yeah. if you don't want to take a ride-hailing company. I want to talk a lot about Volocopter today. Volocopter is the global leader in the development of electrical vertical multicopters or air taxis to make it a little bit easier for me and for our listeners. As early as 2011, the same year as the company was indeed founded, you earned a safe entry into the history of aviation through manning the world's first purely electrical multicopter flight. However, in 2016, you received the preliminary license to take part in regular air traffic in Germany, and you were the one to fly that very prototype. How was that? That was uh, waiting about three years to sit in and fly, because uh, the aircraft flew already three years. But we waited until we get the permit to fly manned, and it was a hard time not to sit in and fly. Mm. And this was more... Now you can do it and the flying itself, it was incredible different to the normal flying. So I fly also uh, as a pilot, uh, for example, gyrocopters and um, also small planes. And this is a total different feeling. So how it, was it different? It was so stable. Uh, and that was the first flight with a man that it was at that stage of development so, so stable that it's like you're nailed in the air mm. and you're just... You don't feel that you are flying. It's like you are sitting on your sofa at home. Everything <laughs> is cool, calm. You have no vibrations. It was really low noisy. So you could easily drink a cup of coffee without spilling anything. Yeah, the handling was really cool because you need only one hand. And I took some, I think, three times my hand off the joystick mm. and I give applause to my team on the ground. <laughs> and uh, and the, no the one aircraft, was nervous then. And the aircraft was like really nailed in the air. So nothing is moving in the aircraft. So that was really different. I thought it, it's it's before. I thought it's like a little bit flying with a gyro or with a helicopter. But it was uh, totally different. So it's. Uh, and have you continued flying since then? Uh, we fly just every day. 
different different prototypes with different technical solutions inside to make different tests. So for us, is a flying taxi, flying uh, um, totally usual since several years. Of course, we have more than 1,000 test flights with these aircraft, and so it's for us, it's already business as usual. Business as usual with the air taxis. I want to continue talking about your development. So in 2017, you <coughs> showcased the first ever autonomous flight of an urban air taxi, which was in cooperation with RTA Dubai. And last year, you announced that you will start testing inner city flights in Singapore, which sounds pretty exciting. And if I've got it right, these tests are scheduled to take place later this year and are specifically designed to validate the ability of volocopters vehicles being able to operate within the city. In addition to those tests, you're setting up a product design and engineering team locally. And I've also heard that you're looking for mobility providers and businesses that are ready to join you on your vision of enabling air taxes in Singapore. This sounds like a pretty set business case for Singapore per se. So my question is, is Singapore going to be the first city where air taxis are running as regular fleets? We cannot say today in which city we start the really first commercial application as a fleet. So Singapore, we announced already, we also opened our office there. Singapore is a real pioneer in all these new things and new mobility. And in comparison to our project in Dubai, in Dubai, it was a fully autonomous flight, also in urban space in the skyline of Dubai. It was a showcase. There was a learning curve how we can have a certification for that. And in Singapore, it's more about finding the first possible commercial roads to see how the first application could work, also in connection with other mobility services. But we are doing that in a lot of more cities than in these two cities. So okay. we don't know which city will be the first where we have the permit to do that. It's not only on the aircraft side, it's also on how you have a digital infrastructure, how is the airspace integration working and uh, these are time frames you cannot say today which city will be the first, but uh, our aim is to have 10 cities just in the same time frame okay. to launch these services. And what cities are you looking into in your top 10? We have a, a top 50 <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> where we, and we want to start really in these 50. We are talking really in these, all these cities with authorities of transport and civil aviation authorities, all these things. And we want to make a different announcement in the next Month. So we'll have to the wait next for city that. will give a next announcement. I won't uh, stress you for a specific city yes. then. Thank but you. do you see that there are specific regions in the world that are a little bit more in the forefront? It's not a question of region. It's a question of political willingness. For that, we are in Dubai. Dubai, they want to push hard the autonomous flying. Mm. In Singapore, for sure, we will start with pilots and with passengers to implement really a safe service and getting experience on the path to fully autonomous passenger transport. But we want to do it worldwide. So we want to have cities all over the world, mega cities. We have more than 8 million inhabitants, for example. So this will be our first cities we want to start. So then service. Europe is a little bit limited for you. So we want to start also in Europe, really early uh, service. And we have to take a, keep a look out for your announcements that are coming up so in the next few years. We had an announcement uh, three weeks ago that we have a partnership with uh, Fraport, okay. one of the biggest airports in Europe. 70 million passengers per year. And there we will have a project how to implement the air taxi service into the seamless 
pass from the passenger from the hotel into the big aircraft. And this is really complicated because uh, at the airport, you have a really regulated airspace mm. and how to check the people. And so there's, for example, uh, the idea to check the people. And when they got into the air taxi, they already checked in. And so you have time saving not only in the distance from the hotel to the airport and the whole check through path through the airport will be faster. So we're also having some test flight from airports into the city in different cities of the world in the next coming months and years. It sounds really exciting and everything that can make a user journey around any type of airport to and from the city, I think is a, it's a good thing in my book, especially if you travel a lot for work. I guess this is something which a lot of people would appreciate. You already mentioned infrastructure as an important component for your development. And last year, you and Volocopter presented an infrastructure proposal for cities that would integrate air taxis as a natural part of the overall mobility network. I want to dig deeper into how that infrastructure would look like. But first, I'm curious to hear how you envision Volocopter as part of the mobility ecosystem as a whole. I think there are coming a lot of other things uh, nobody uh, looking at in this moment. So it's about what is the most efficient uh, solution for this type of mission, or it's a mixture of different solutions in a seamless way. It's really amazing what is happening out there. So, And we are looking also on other things like cable car, for example, or shooting through a tunnel. These things are also, we have to connect these things. And this is really amazing what a startups doing in the world in all these mobility things in this moment. Mm. Is there any particular segment that you think is extra exciting? Air taxis. <laughs> I think I'm very deep in that and I feel a little bit like the pioneer of all this air taxi thing because uh, we flew the first manned flight 2011 and I think four years everybody says what are you doing crazy things and then 2016 when we had the first permit to fly in a regular airspace all over Germany then it's going to to a little bit mainstream and now just the whole world is talking about air taxis and uh, so it's for me really a big thing and uh, I'm happy if I see people driving with electric scooter. I do that also, or electric bikes, or all these things. But I, for me, the, the air taxi is the most mm. exciting. For uh, and also, it's not only you have a new kind of mobility, but you have a new new thing to to have a, a feeling. You see your city from above in a calm way. So um, I'm a private pilot of different things, and I know you can have hundred times the same flight. Uh, uh, and and you will enjoy it also at the mm. hundred times. So it, it's it's uh, yeah. It's a different experience. Yeah. As a air taxi visionary, you must have come across a lot of people telling you, "Hey, this idea is never going to work. This cannot be implemented at scale." There are still a lot of voices who are expressing those thoughts today. What would you be telling them? I tell them concrete stories. For example, we published our explanation video how ecosystem could work with uh, different kind of parts of the infrastructure and uh, the main base of having really large-scale operations with these aircrafts in a city is a, we call it a hub, and there aircraft can land in really short time and inside is a floating system where batteries are changed, maintenance, mm. the parking of the aircraft, and people getting in out in in really short time frames. And this is, I think, a core element to have really large-scale air taxis in the city in the future. Mm. 
So putting the infrastructure in place to make it possible. Before an integration of Volocopter to any type of mobility platform, whether we look at it as mobility as a whole or separated silos, the type of infrastructure that you uh, touched upon a little bit now is needed and it has to be put in place. With the vision of aligning air taxis as part of existing transportation systems, I guess that this involves not only physical but also digital infrastructure to manage not only offline operations but also connecting different online systems. Could you outline what your initial infrastructure proposal would look like and what the timeline is for this? It's not a proposal from us, so it's a thing. And the, just the whole world is working on this. It's about air traffic management system in the lower airspace. So we have this since years in the higher airspace. All the commercial airliners are flying fully autonomous, are digital uh, connected. This is an existing air ecosystem and works really good. So to get it in the lower airspace is a little bit more difficult, but it will be developed in parallel to the autonomous driving. So it's just the same technology we use there. So we need a 5G net and perhaps we need additional ground-based GPS system. So we said we are not having problems with a satellite and not connection with that. But this is already a thing, for example, in Dubai, when we made this autonomous flight through the skyline, we are already had hardware on board, which were connected to the ATM of the Emirates. So we are in the same schedule like the big airline, as you see the big airlines flying around and the Volocopter was integrated. The technology is just there. It's about making standards and uh, using it. And I think it starts in different countries with different standards. So we have to have the possibility to integrate different kind of systems mm -hmm. to join the digital infrastructure in that area where we are flying. And when do you think that will be possible? In Dubai, was it two years ago? Mm. <laughs> one and a half year ago? <laughs> and uh, in the rest of the world? For example, in Singapore, this is one, one of our tests to, to have there a local partner who is providing, for example, the 5G net. Having a good, perfect, fast access to that. It's a task in growing up that business and it's not a big, big hurdle. If we look at using Volocopter at scale, um, you talk a lot about operating hubs and ports. Could you, for someone who is not really into the Volocopter universe, explain what does this mean? And if we, in a few years, see that this is a standard way of transporting yourself in a given city, how many people can use this? We will start with point-to-point -point solutions. So we build up an infrastructure for a battery exchange and on one point of two points, for example, so it can be implemented fast. Then later we have a network with these fixed roads, with infrastructure for changing batteries and parking, all these things. But we will have also on-demand ports where a hotel build up only a platform or a mall or something else. So it's about a, a fixed system with fixed routes and you can break out in on-demand spots where you need only a little bit area on the ground. We also believe that you don't have to fly everywhere with flying taxi. We want only fly there where it makes sense, where you can solve a problem and uh, where it's more efficient than the other solutions. So there are a lot of things where we can solve problems, but it must not be everywhere. 
If you look into this point-to-point connection that you mentioned, have you identified a few locations within a city that you would have to secure in order to make this type of transportation attractive? We will start for sure with applications, for example, for business travelers, because we are in the first years, we don't have this large scale production to get the prices down. And we are defined that just 80% of all mega cities, the distance from the airport in the city center is under 20 miles. We can fly this with our batteries today. So this will be the initial market. So we're on the project with airports to land there and bring the people into the city center. And when we have implemented this in different cities, we are starting to growing the system in the city with the next bottlenecks and then connected them. What is a typical city bottleneck? A typical city bottleneck is, for example, a convention center or a soccer stadium where you have congestion or you have bridges, tunnels, height uh, difference, mm-hmm. all these things where it's really expensive to make uh, infrastructure on the ground. And already the, the city centers of these big mega cities are blocking this today with all these taxis and, and Ubers and all these things. So it would make just sense in, in just every of these mega cities because they have the, that problem that the infrastructure on the ground, mm. they cannot grow. I think that the use case of business traveling is mm, something which everyone can agree on as the first <coughs> good step. Yes. Do you see that there will be other use cases to follow? Perhaps it could be faster tourist applications, for example, having only a round flight around my hotel to an island and going back or something like that. Uh, but at the end, we are sure that also commuters will use it. So we will have also can transport commuters in, in areas where it's really awful with the, with the traffic on the ground, with where are big bridges or something like that. It's not only... Not it's a beginning it's a beginning with the business travelers. And then we have a large scale production, the prices can go down and the battery prices will go down also in the next 10 20 years. Then it must be affordable for everybody mm. to use it as a commuter. We think in the next 10 to 15 years it's really going down with the prices. Mm. You actually once said that once volocopter is operated at scale or yeah. air taxis, that flying won't be significantly more expensive than taking a cab, but yes. it will be significantly faster. Yes. So if I would go from the studio today to the closest airport, it's about 15 kilometers away, how much would it cost and how long would it take? We know that we, when we start with the service, also if we have not a big scale production, we can have really an interesting price for that. So, for example, from here with a taxi, I think you need about 40 euros. We would charge 60 euros, for example. Mm. So it's a little bit more expensive at the moment, but you save time. Yes. Okay. And if you could... Just... And you, you had an experience to see the city from above. The beauty of traveling. Uh-huh. <laughs> but one aspect that I would also find um, really compelling, like you mentioned in the beginning of our talk, is if you could make the trip streamlined. So as soon as I get into a volocopter, I know that I won't have to stand in security at the airport. I don't have to check in my bags, etc., etc. That for me would be a real selling point because it makes my traveling so much easier. It's about a seamless transportation. So it could be that if you choose your trip with a volocopter that for the last mile, there's uh, waiting uh, a shared mobility or something else Mm. and we charge the price Mm. with a flight and give this for free the last mile, for example. You have to look on the whole journey of the Mm -hmm. customer and not only this trip you can offer. Talking about then connecting vertical and horizontal mobility, 
In February, Daimler and BMW, they announced a new collaboration where they are joining forces to create a platform for mobility, a joint one. As Daimler is one of your investors, it would perhaps not be so unnatural or unbelievable to see Volocopter entering this partnership as well. Is that the long-term plan? It sounds natural, but we want to work worldwide and see service. I don't know if they offer it in every city of the world where we are operating. So we are open to collaborate with these kind of solutions. But in Singapore, for example, we need other partners for doing that there. One of the issues that many a mobility startup has faced or is facing is how to get authorities on their right rather than their bad side. This is obviously something that you have been able to do in a few cities. And as the mobility scene gets more and more saturated, it also gets more and more regulated. So one of the questions I wanted to point to you today is, you're stepping into a territorium that might be even more regulated than the ground, with stricter regulations and more procedures to go through. How are you working with authorities to get them on board with your course? To get authorities on board is the DNA of a helicopter company. So when we've made the first flight with this crazy yoga ball device, main flight, we got an article in the FAA security report. FAA is a Federal Aviation Authority of America. They wrote that this device from the system could be much safer than a traditional helicopter. And if you see the picture of this yoga ball flying thing, it's, it looks not safe and it was not really <laughs> safe. But from the system itself, it can be really safe. And so we have really worked hard in the last seven years. Every time we work together with authorities, it's funny, but our customers are authorities. So we get money from authorities to work on these topics as a technical leader in the field. We are working shoulder on shoulder with authorities. So we're proud of that, that we are really upfront also in regulation things and certifying air taxis that we are leading the field in the world on mm. that. Would you say that you also have a strong lobbying presence or is it more of this shoulder to shoulder? It's totally shoulder to shoulder. So lobbying helps not, not at all. The safety authorities they are looking for safety for the people. This is what we are also want to do because we want to have a nice business and having fun with our business. And if we are not safe, we will not, don't have fun in the future with our business. So a key pillar of Volocopter is safety and talking to authorities. If you would give an advice to startups who are working with mobility, who are trying to set a conversation or found a conversation with authorities, what would you tell them? So it's different what kind of mobility. So for us, it, it sounds li a little bit funny. It was really easy because mm -hmm. we have the authority for aviation, for civil aviation, for international aviation, and we can go to them and ask them and talk to them. So because it was really a known thing. But mm. if you want to bring e-scooters into the inner city, there's no existing regulation, there's no authority who want to handle it, so it's it's much more difficult. Try to find the right people in, in the Ministry of Transport or like that and listen to them what they see problems you have to solve mm. and build up a trust level with them. This is most important, trust 
trust with the authorities and then you will part of the game. I totally agree with you and I think that one of the main reasons for why perhaps many startups fail to talk to authorities is because they come in with the notion of what the city can give to them as in you can operate within our borders we won't remove all your vehicles from the streets rather than saying how can we work together and what can we give to you not only what can we give to the citizens but also what can we do to make the infrastructure better what can we do to ease a new burden in terms of public transport and so forth and so on and I think Maybe one of your strong sides have also been that you have not been on the ground. You've been in a sphere where the need might be a bit better articulated. Two things. It's the space you told now, but the other thing is a dream of mankind of flying. This helps you also because it's in everybody's mind. Flying is what I want to do and uh, out of emotional thing because you can do it and you see the birds and think, okay, I want to be there also. Why do you think this is such a fundamental dream for most people? I want to fly. I don't know why. I, I have it as a child and I know that the the drone industry is growing like fool because there are cheap, small drones with cameras and the people can fly and see their world from above, but they are not up there. They have their drone and see it on, in their mobile device or on the computer making a video. It makes you feeling happy to see your world from above. And if it's only with a small drone with a camera, this uh, was a big driver for the industry of drones, for example, mm. this feeling to see my world from above. Mm. And maybe make you realize how small you actually are in the scheme of things. Maybe yes. I'm not so question. small. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just two pilots in one. So. <laughs> but from the air, you're, you would look a little bit smaller. Yeah. But, uh, but it's true, you're not the shortest person in the world. No. A lot of the discussion and innovation driving mobility today is born due to the issues of congestion and emissions. As we've already heard from you, there is a very valid of soon having the opportunity of moving traffic from the ground to the sky. If we expect Volocopter and the likes to be in place within the next decade, maybe even earlier, you are capable of flying approximately 100,000 people a day. Or more, or more in one city. Maybe even 100,000 passengers per an hour, hour. Yes. Which is crazy. This If you have 30 million people <laughs> in the city, that's not crazy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Then it's normal. Yes. But this entire shift, it means a massive change from horizontal to vertical mobility, from ground to air. But in doing so, are we just not lifting the problem of congestions from the street of the ground to the streets of the sky. It's not a shift from the ground to the air. It's additional mobility. Perhaps you know the, the movie Fifth Element and you see that the sky is full of these air taxis. I try to calculate it. It must be more than 5,000 times, a factor of 5,000 more than the cars on, on the ground in this moment in the city. So this is total unrealistic thinking about that and the air, you have so much space. Yeah. But I believe strong that we don't have fulfill all this with, with flying in the air course. Driving with the car on the ground, if there's no congestion, is is for sure a really efficient thing. Also, if it's an autonomous electric car. When we lift up a little bit of the traffic in the air, so perhaps uh, we can solve, uh, also do it that it's on the ground going faster already. So I believe strong in a mixture of uh, totally different new things are coming and in the air it's only a small part of it. So you see it more as a complementing rather than a competitive force. Yes, for sure. 
The current state of mobility is, however, characterized by fierce competition, which is driving many players to invest millions of euros into branding and marketing activities. If we look at the area side of things, as in your side, there is not as many players trying to claim the fame. Despite this, it seems like design is a key aspect for Volocopter, as is branding. How important is this for you as a company? For our company, it's very important. We have these 18 rotors, so immediately do you understand if there's going one motor off or two, it, it can fly already. So it's, it's something you don't think about that, so it, it gives you trust. But our branding, what is very important for us, is not the end customer. It's the authorities, it's the city players, all these guys. And uh, this is more about safety and trust than having a beautiful machine. And I think later when we have thousands of these as a public transport system in the air, nobody cares about the company. It's about mm -hmm. having the safest system. And the people who decide for the safest system is not the customer. At the end, it's a city. It's a little bit like normal plane traffic today. You don't really care about what operator brings you from A to B as long as it's fast, efficient and not too expensive. Yeah. Uh, the experience of the customer is for us also very important. So for us, it's the branding and also that they say, okay, if I use a volocopter, I'm really treated comfortable, I feel good, I have the trust in the air. And this is not only about that, that flying the device, it's also about how I come into the building, that I can't board or deboard in the building, not outside the building where it's mm. wind or rain or something like that. All these things, this is very important, but it's not the brand on the aircraft itself. So it's a brand of the service, mm. what service we want to provide. And this is really and important. Is this a service that you see Volocopter providing direct to the consumer or would you rather use a middle hand? No, we, we want to provide it direct, but we will have in, in different cities or different regions in the world different partners in these uh, operation companies. So, mm. for example, uh, when we are in Singapore driving commercial service, in this service company we will be uh, having our shares and we want to control their, all the operations of the mm. aircraft and all these things. But we will have, for example, the company as a shareholder who provides a 5G uh, digital infrastructure, for mm. example. Or in Dubai, um, for sure, the authorities want to be a shareholder in this company. So in, in every city, it will be a different approach of the operation company, but we want having everywhere the control over the safety and the quality of the service. So mm. we will be a strong part in these operation companies. You've described very nicely how the trip looks like when you're actually in the volocopter. But could you maybe detail how it looks like before I enter it and straight afterwards? What is, is there a certain terminal that I would step into? Could you describe the before I step into the vehicles and after? What does it look like? And totally different missions are totally different approaches. So, for example, if you're at the airport, it could be you land near the aircraft. So you jump out of the helicopter and walk through and jump in the aircraft. But if you want to bring all these 300 people with volocopters to the aircraft, you don't have enough space around the aircraft. So you need also their infrastructure. So for us, it's really important that the people who use it have a, a seamless and a comfortable experience. And so mm -hmm. this is really a complex thing with, with a lot of different things from the last mile to the, to the, to the uh, coming to the, the airfield and all these things. So it's, uh, it's not easy to explain in one sentence. We'll just have to wait to experience uh, it ourselves, I guess, then. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
We are unfortunately reaching the end of our conversation. But before we wrap it up for this time, I'd like to ask you one final question. Who would you like to listen to in an upcoming episode of On The Go? So I think, for example, Michael Doblmeyer will be very interesting because they are doing cable cars with cables. We are doing cable cars without cables, but uh, um, this makes also a lot of sense in different solutions in cities. And to mix these and connect these uh, things, that would be very interesting. How What could you telling? see um, a use case between connecting air taxis and cable cars? A cable car makes sense where you have a continuous flow of people. If you have empty cable cars, it makes no sense. So the Volocopter is more just like a little bit of infrastructure also on demand. So you have a station where the cable cars come in in the building and you walk out uh, five meters, go through the next gate and you can jump in a Volocopter and can fly from there to your hotel, for mm -hmm. example. This could be a connection with the cable car. Mm. Sounds like a smooth thing to do. Alex, thank you for sharing your views on the future of air mobility. For everyone who's listened, I think we can all sign off on the feeling that the sky is not the limit anymore. Another thing that has no limits is our gratitude to everyone who's been emailing suggestions and feedback. Please continue doing so at sigrid.traffy.com. I hope you enjoyed this heavenly episode and I'll stop it with a punt now. Thanks a million for tuning in and see you next time.